Well, hello, everybody. This is Dr. Mario Sacasa, and welcome back to the Always Hope Podcast. Here we are in 2021, my first episode. Grateful, grateful, grateful to be back in the podcasting chair after pretty much two months of dealing with COVID there at the end of 2020 and into the beginning here of 2021. So here we are, grateful to share this amazing episode with you. Thank you, everybody, for being here with us. This episode is I don't even know what to say. I recorded this yesterday in in an epic conversation with my good friend, Dr. Tom Neal, where we just share our reflections on anxiety, his perspective, his history, talking about its relationship to the spiritual life, how to overcome it, why God allows us to experience it. I mean, we just went everywhere and had an amazing conversation. So I don't know what to say. You're going to love it. I hope you love it. And if you don't love it, then just that's okay too. But if you do love it, share it because I really believe we touched on something very special in this episode that I think is going to bless a lot of people. And so I share it with you uh, with hope and expectation that it finds you wherever you are today in a good place and just receive it. So sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation that I had with Dr. Tom Neal about anxiety. Can I I drink during it or should I not? You can drink during it. A little bit. It's okay. okay, Do you want to tell the audience if it's water or what are we drinking? drinking? (laughs) Well, I'm drinking um, crystal geyser. (laughs) That's right. right. We should be drinking bourbon or something, I guess. We should should be having some old fashions. (laughs) We should. Should I Patty make us some Long Island iced teas? You know, no. (laughs) Or Sazerac's the Sazerac. That's her drink. Sazerac. That is her her drink. Oh, she makes me great old fashions. I love her old fashions. Oh man, that's awesome. I love an old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I drank an old fashioned, I didn't realize it wasn't beer. And so I drank it at the speed of a beer and then suddenly found myself overcome. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Overcome (laughs) by the fact that it wasn't a beer. It was not a beer. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good, though. It was delicious. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, you live and learn. So I sip them now and I endorse There you them. go. Yes. That's how it's supposed to be. Yes. So, well, we're recording, so. Oh, we are. Okay. Well, this is an interesting introduction to your show. Very informal. I didn't realize that. Okay. Nothing is incriminating there. <laughs> Tom, well, welcome to the Oyster Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on the show. I'm glad we could just hey, great ease pleasure. into this. Oh, it's been too long. It's See, been this has been too long. It's been too long. Since we've done this. This was the last time we had you on the show. We talked about the pandemic. Yeah, we, um, um, we did the thing with um, Jason and you and yep. I on Facebook. That's I right. That. We I did think that. That might have been it. That was early on Maybe. in the pandemic, like March or April or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we're back. Yeah, we're back. This is wonderful. So, tell the people how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. <laughs> Thank you. I'm actually I'm uh, <laughs> I'm in the middle of my a sabbatical uh, from the seminary and sabbatical, which really means. Of course, the word sab- Sabbath is connected to it, which means rest. But it it it's not been rest in 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 as much as I've been inactive and chilling mm-hmm. out. But it's been rest in as much as the purpose of the Sabbath in Judaism is so you can study Torah, so you have the freedom mm. from labor, from servile labor, to study Torah to kind of enter into that. So this has really been my time to do that for the sake of my teaching career to expand my horizons to deepen my knowledge to kind of get get into areas that I usually don't have time to read and mm-hmm. uh, research and write and I'm working on a book 
right now. So yes, I'm excited. Yes. Yeah, I, my, the book, the, the long awaited book on the lay vocation. Yes. So the thing we talked about on this podcast before, many times. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many times. So putting that together and uh, working on this just today, I was writing, as a matter of fact, specifically on that. So yeah, that's been terrific. I've enjoyed that very much. And after I finish this, I'll go on to my, the really exciting part, as my son Nicholas said yesterday to me. Yeah, that sounds like the really exciting part, Dad, when I redo all my syllabi. <laughs> can't wait for that that's like the crescendo of my sabbatical so anyway but it's good because i've never had the time to really work through my creating a syllabus for each class that's really thought carefully out and i can do reading and kind of you know just throwing it together so wow. yeah that'll be nice so it's been a blessing it's it's a great gift that that academic institutions give to faculty to be able to to do publication work, to do research work, and kind of growth for their own intellectual life. So yeah. I, I appreciate it immensely. Amen, because that certainly is going to bless and benefit you know the students and seminarians at at, at Notre Dame Seminary. Mm. So yeah, that, that definitely great. that's 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 the goal. So anyway, so that's yeah. yeah the other thing, there's lots going on <laughs> in life, and of course, you know, the circumstances of history are extremely. Uh, what are you talking complex. about? Is something going on? Oh, no, or, very simple. What, what happened yesterday? Nothing. It's very dull. What happened yesterday? I don't know. I, I don't know. Nothing, nothing happened, happened yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Jan, Jan, January 20th was a nothing day. So just Feast another day. Feast of St. Sebastian. That's Athletes. what it was. That's Athletes. right. The martyr. That's, what it was. That's right. That's yeah, it. exactly. That's it. Yeah. That's and I it. gave a talk in Lafayette last night to the goddess. That's what happened last night. <laughs> well, uh, that's a nice segue. Speaking of anxiety, how about we... Uh, oh, yes. You like speaking that? of anxiety, perfect. That was yes. good, huh? <laughs> that, is, that is a natural sequel to recent events. Anxiety. Anxiety. Yes. Let's talk about anxiety. Yes. Let's talk about anxiety. So that's the theme for today's episode. Um, obviously, we could talk about anything and we may talk about a lot of different things, but... You know, obviously, in our friendship, we've 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 spent many times talking about the state of affairs in mm. the world, in the church, you know, in personal lives, and and I think that the, the word of 2020 would be anxiety. I think if there is mm. a phrase of an emotion that um, would capture, I believe, the sentiment of 2020, and even now into 2021, yes. it, it would be, I think, anxiety. I think it's what we talked about. At the beginning, I think the last episode we did, but I want to dive deeper into it. And I just think it's it's it it is the emotion that a lot of people are are experiencing. Mm. And so, as always, you know, I love to love having these conversations because we could talk both about the spiritual life and its implications there, but then also kind of looking at the psychological life as well and and, it, and how it pertains to to emotions. So, you know, thinking about anxiety, like okay, so I've done. When I, I got this is my first interview, I would say since since getting COVID, I got the COVID as everybody likes to say. Yes, and uh, uh, and I uh, was uh, sick for a good month, and that first mm. couple weeks that I was sick was honestly some of the most anxiety provoking experiences that I had because I'm checking my pulse oximeter, I'm checking my heart rate, I'm I'm not sleeping well, I'm not feeling well, and I kept getting worse and worse, and all that goes through my mind. And I know other people have, have have had similar experiences, but like I'm quarantined, I'm by myself, so all that's going through my mind is every worst case scenario that, that you've seen in that the you've news seen in the news. Then. Yeah, the 30 year old nurse who who dies suddenly, the 25 hmm. year old kid who you know gets a heart attack because of, I mean it just yeah. all you hear about because all you hear about is the, is the extreme stories. You know, you don't hear about, of course, the 99. Point seven percent of individuals who recover from this and are fine so that first week man my anxiety was just through the roof it was it was awful um 
but then to complicate things, I mean, I, I I am one of the long haulers, as as they said. I mean, for me, it's in seven weeks post this, post getting symptoms for the first, and I'm still tired. I mean, I did a marriage retreat this past weekend and still had fatigue from it. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent, but but I'm but I'm much better than where I was a month mm-hmm. ago. But it got me it got me reflecting on my own anxiety and saying, okay, well, what what what's going on within me that's contributing to this, and then what do I need to do to to get better uh, mm-hmm. and get healthier, not just physically, but but emotionally and psychologically kind of. And so God, you know, in his, in his providence, just, you know, took this time of sickness mm-hmm. for me to just dive deep into uh, study and reflection on the emotional life. I've been knee deep in, in, in reading and, and listening to uh, the subject matter related to positive psychology and in particular Barbara, Barbara Fredrickson's work um, so related to the emotions and positive emotions and in in the role of negative emotions in life. And so it, it's just this has been kind of the culmination of a, of a lot of study over the last few years that really just kind of came together, you know, during those six weeks that I was really kind of home. Um, and uh, so I'm eager to, to talk about all this stuff. With oh, you. that's yeah, that's it, it's rich. <clears throat> and I, I think you're again, as you said, your own experience resonates with many, many people out there who mm-hmm. are in that same milieu of, of taking in all of the news constantly. And as you said, all the worst case scenarios and internalizing those. And so when you when you get to a point where you're either exposed, or you're threatened to be exposed to this, um, or you get it, you develop it. It, it, it provokes all kinds of anxiety. I mean, I, we've experienced this in our family mm-hmm. multiple times over the months as we've brushed against people who've had the case who've been exposed to it and then have to go through the either formal quarantining or just kind of a, a wait and see. So no, it is, it really is. And I think the, the beautiful kind of combination of things that you, after, in, in, your, in your recovery time, were able to explore both the psychological uh, dimensions of it and the spiritual, you're, mm-hmm. doing, you're doing, you know, reading as well. Yes, on the spiritual, on the spiritual life. life, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. of Avila and so yeah. forth. Yep, that's right. I think that was a beautiful way to kind of think about how those two integrate together, which is what you and I always discuss. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So let's get into it then. All right. Wonderful. So thinking about like anxiety, like what? So what's the role of anxiety? What whether it is, um, I'm doing an episode on on shame, which would be a, a version of anxiety in terms of at a social level, but thinking about anxiety then also just in general, you know, from like, so anxiety is as I understand it is uh, an emotion that we have that is supposed to prepare us for some action, mm-hmm. okay? So we get anxious um, because it's it's an alert system. It's some, it, A threat has been activated mm-hmm. and we need to respond to some degree to it. And the way that we respond is otherwise we, uh, we, we tend to go in one or two poles. We otherwise tend to respond by needing to flee from the situation or we tend to respond by needing to fight in the situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think about... If you're out on a hike and uh, and you hear about bears being out in you know in in the Smoky Mountains or something, one of my favorite places to go hiking, you know everything you're kind of on heightened alert. You know you're like every little rustle, you're like, is that a black bear ready to? Black bears don't don't cause much trouble, but you know, but but nevertheless, like you you still like you're like on heightened like man like so so that sense of anxiety actually it it raises our our awareness to any threat that that could be happening, mm. and again the reason is that because we should be aware. If there's really a bear that's about to eat us, you know, like we're a lion or anything else, like we're supposed to be ready to respond um, because that's how we're going to survive. Otherwise, by fighting this thing with that increased cortisol and adrenaline or by running away and getting mm-hmm. out as fast as possible. The challenge is that these systems are supposed to be short term. 
You know, there's supposed to be something that happens in the moment and and then we move on from it. Sure. But because of our society and the way that we live and we're constantly interacting with news and, and then even, you know, marketing campaigns that constantly make us feel like we're not enough or don't have enough, that dredges up a sense of scarcity and need. And, and, then, and then the news, you know, over the last particularly 12 months has just been, it, it's been so anxiety producing that we don't know what to do with, with this response. Mm. There's no, there's no direct threat that we're supposed to respond to. So we don't know what to do. So we get caught in this trap of, of stress and, and anxiety. And then it's almost like you feel like the only thing you can do actually is to continue watching the news and to, to st- that's my duty that I have to stay engaged because I got to know what's going on, whether it's politically speaking or, or with COVID or, and I have to stay informed and then I have to have an opinion so I can be able to talk about all these things with my friends and family and be ready to, to cuss everybody out who disagrees with me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, cause what happens is that we're in the state of fear and we're all, ele- the stress is elevated. So we're all ready to respond mm-hmm. and we're all ready to respond to some, in some way that's defensive and, and negative. Um, and so like, as I dealt with this in myself and I said, man, like uh, it, it's it like, what can I do? I can disengage. That's one thing that I can do. And I can learn and start dealing and start recognizing that that this what, what what psychologists call the negativity bias negativity bias has has overtaken like i'm i'm just looking for things to confirm my negativity i'm looking for things to to confirm that i'm defensive and i'm and i'm anxious and i want to stay in that at the expense then of looking at the positive things that god is still doing in my life mm-hmm. and still being attentive and letting go and so i think sometimes that's the place where we where we I can speak for myself and, and for others. I know the place where we've lost the sense of agency and still recognizing we still have some control over ourselves and we still have some control. We're still human beings who have a fully functioning prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. and a soul that God's given to us that allows us to be able to engage with this and to say, I can let this go a little bit and and, and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just rambling, but what do you think? No, you're not rambling <laughs> at all. No, I, I, I think I think every, everything you said has... Uh, so much profound relevance again to so many people because the the constant exposure to media, to news, to social media, to to um, as you said, kind of a heightened sense of urgency to everything around you. At a certain point, when everything around you claims urgency, you you, you can't sustain that kind of level of engagement all the time, especially when that urgency involves certain threats or fears or you know those kind of things being. To you. So, so I, I think that, you know, I've talked about as, with you many times what, what I call techno asceticism, mm-hmm. which is kind of asceticism is, is the discipline you have in your life that helps you to orient yourself towards some goal or goals mm-hmm. that you've established. And if, so if you want to be a saint, you have disciplines in your life that orient you towards whatever sanctity consists right. in. Or if you're an athlete, you have an asceticism that orients yeah, you towards asceticism that. is where we get the word exercise, right? That's it. Yeah, it's in it, English where we get the same word, exercise. Exa- yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so techno-asceticism, meaning that, that our use of media, we have to have a certain discipline that recognizes, oh, things like, well, what do I really need to know? What what things are are, are necessary for me to engage with to achieve whatever goals I have? Uh, what things press up against my limits? What things really show me that I can I cannot only I can only take so much of something? I can't I can't watch so much of this or read so much of this or constantly be engaged with with digital media all the time because it has these effects on me that make me incapable of carrying out other important things in my life 
that are essential to what I'm supposed to be doing as a person who has a vocation in life and duties that go along mm-hmm. with that to carry out and to interfere. And, but, but I think so many times, myself included, people um, get get carried away by the media. The medium itself takes over and dictates how I engage with it as opposed to I dictating my engagement with it. Um, and and it, it creates kind of a compulsion, almost an obsession to constantly be updated, mm-hmm. to know what's happening, to check what's happening, to see... And, and that feeds and that feeds into uh, people's sense of anxiety. And, and I think in a, in a way that before, certainly to me, before social media and digital technology became what it is, communication, digital media, um, was not it was not of the severity level of severity that it is now. So I think people having to be aware of that um, and really make decisions that are very clearly uh, oriented towards. Um, what things best serve my own life goals and purposes and mental health and wholeness and my relationships. Um, right. I think those things, yeah, I think those things people have to be extremely attentive to. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, because I remember like September, this this event of coronavirus to me, and maybe I've said this before, but felt a lot. it feels a lot like September 11th, where September 11th, there was so much uncertainty surrounding the events and not knowing remember there was like a like a football game like a couple weeks after and we were living in Tallahassee and Florida State was playing Miami and there was like mm. like are we as like because Jeb Bush is the governor is in this is a big event is something else going to happen I mean when you start thinking about like the foundations of truth the foundations upon mm. which that you can you can ground yourself on when you don't have that that that's part of what causes the anxiety is is that like you we just have this uncertainty about life, about the the various principles and safety. I mean, like when we the things that we've taken for granted, um, all of this has just been upended. Mm. And 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 in in this kind of revolution of things, you know, not in the political sense, but literally in the spinning sense, you know, things mm. are just kind of being spun around. Sure. Um, it, it it has caused, um, I mean. A lot of fear. I mean, I really believe that a lot of the political unrest, I mean, we know it's been there and there's been a tipping point. It's been there. But I really believe that a lot of the the civil unrest events that we've seen transpire both in the Capitol and then even last year with some of the, the violence that happened in the protests, not the protests themselves, but some of the violence that, that transpired by some of those situations is, is in my estimation, it, it's an indication that we are we are in a bad place, yeah. And and sure. and healthy people can can get to the edge and back off, but unhealthy people can't. Sure. And so so we have collectively have to start doing our part to start chilling the f out. <laughs> sure. Excuse me. Unquestionably. You know, Unquestionably. To my to my listeners, you know that it, we have to we have to take responsibility for the ways that we've allowed fear to dictate our actions, mm. um, and so we have to we have to respond. You know, so yeah. when we think about like anxiety and well, go ahead. You, you, I see your, your brain's rolling there. Go well, ahead. no, no. I, I was just thinking about letting fear dictate um, how we react to things or how we live. Fear, fear dictating. And I, I was thinking as we were talking earlier about anxiety, mm-hmm. and, and in my own life, because I've, as you, we both have struggled with anxiety in different ways in mm-hmm. our lives, and I have since I was well, since I was a child, um, but really in a developed way since I've in my early twenties. Um, 
but but I, I've one of the things I struggle most with is is what goes along with anxiety is fear, or what goes along with fear is anxiety. Right, right, right. one or the other, right? Um, and and, and th- there was a really interesting insight I had about a year and a half or two years ago um, when my wife Patty and I were disagreeing over um, how to respond to a particular child's situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that? You have disagreements well, with your wife? that wow. was the only one. <laughs> that was um, it. Actually, wow. 25 years. That's we had amazing. one disagreement. That's why I'm talking about it because there's nothing else to talk about because we're so perfectly <laughs> harmonious and <laughs> we get along. We just don't speak, but we get along. <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> we just don't talk to each other and it's perfect. That's why monks in monasteries used to be silent so they <laughs> perfect <laughs> harmony. <laughs> Never speak. It's one of the solutions to arguing in marriage. <laughs> just yeah, never talk silent to treatment. <laughs> but just make treatment. it a holy one. Because <laughs> <laughs> when things are pious, they, they that's are, right. Pious, pious piety always perfect. works. It always no, works. That's right. The vow of silence. I'm not going to speak to you ever again. A lot of love for God and hatred for you. Sweet Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, so so you guys are disagreeing. I'm sorry, my bad. My bad. bad. I know I did. I'm I'm kidding. I'm joking. (laughs) No, it's far better. Um, And laughter, by the way, is a magnificent Mm -hmm. valve um, Mm -hmm. for 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 anxiety and dealing with it myself. Uh, My wife helps me a lot with that. Anyway, um, but fear. So we were we were talking about how to deal with a child, a particular child situation. And I, she and I had very different in this particular case had very different ways of responding to it. Um, and, and anyway, so in the end, in this case, I conceded to her, uh, her approach and said, mm-hmm. okay, well, we'll go with that. And, and it ended up working out in this case, working mm-hmm. out really well. And so I reflected on it. Um, and I went back to her to talk about it with her. And I, I, instead of going back to her and saying, oh, you know, you, you, know, you were right. I just mm-hmm. had to be humble and accept mm-hmm. it. What I realized was, and this came to me in prayer that that next morning, and, and this is by the way, the the, the importance of silence. So silence mm-hmm. is, is is so important in life, which we've lost as well. We can talk about that separately in terms of anxiety. But in the morning when I take my prayer time in silence, I have a lot of things that come up that are sometimes very insightful and sometimes that are very disturbing. Silence can unearth all kinds of things, but this morning was a profound insight. And it was this, and I said this to Patty later. I said, I want to tell you something about something I learned about my patterns of, of, of how I relate to the kids and my decisions and how you do. I said, I tend to make my decisions as to what our children should or shouldn't do or what I should encourage them to do or not do based on fear. You do it based on trust. Hmm. You have a fundamental trust that they are capable of doing far more than I think they are able capable of doing because I have a tremendous amount of fear in myself from my own life experience mm. where I hem things in to protect myself from being exposed to things that will, for example, provoke um, anxiety. So I'll make far more conservative decisions or fear-based decisions to do that. Now, in my case, maybe uh, there are times when that's necessary and good, right. but when it becomes a whole strategy of living, mm-hmm. a whole way of living and you start living out of fear you can see how that distorts the lens and and can can keep you from growing from flourishing from facing fears head on um, and moving through and past them or helping your children do that and and my wife really helped me to 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 see that by the way that we work together back and forth now she helped me in reality but i got the insight finally after years as to what worked so well about the way that she and i played off of each other in that so, so I guess just fear-driven 
decision-making, which is, I think, in many ways what the Lord, when he says, do not be afraid, is really striking at. Mm. Um, there are lots of, he says it because there are lots of reasons to be afraid, but it can't be the dominant paradigm that, sh- that shapes your decision-making. Otherwise, you'll always take the lesser road. You'll always take the road that doesn't allow you to move towards growth and freedom and wholeness or greater growth and greater freedom and greater wholeness. So, Amen. Anyway, yeah. Amen. Well, you, you're getting it on. We're doing it now. So it's great. <laughs> you know, like I, it, because the, the, um, this is why, you know, spending the time in prayer, reflecting, reflecting on your own motivations and really being honest with yourself about decisions that you make is, is very crucial. And certainly there's times for conversion. So, you know, for myself, like this moment, you talked about that for me, you know, kind of here recently with, with COVID and kind of the, the insights that I've, that I've been ga- gaining and learning about myself. Part of it is, is, is that is recognizing like hmm. how much of my insecurities or my jealousies or my uh, motivations for things are really come out of a desire to, to get away, to, to, to flee, mm. are, are fear-based, are, are based on, on an avoidance of pain rather than, as you said, you know, trying to really trust and have confidence that the other side is going to be okay, mm. um, that whatever the decision is, that sometimes you have to stay and engage. Now, sometimes there are real threats. You know, the lion's coming at you. You're not going to be like, I'm going to stay and engage. You know, like, no, no, you got to like... Yes. You watch this video that went around, like this this guy was hiking like in Utah, this is an aside, and like a mm-hmm. mountain lion like came out of nowhere. Like he like stumbled into like the den. This thing's terrifying. If you listen, wow. if you haven't seen it, like you can search this thing. No, I Random hiker pulls out his phone because this mountain lion comes out of nowhere and he starts backtracking and literally walk backward for like a couple miles as this thing's still threatening him the whole time, you know? Oh Because he goodness. was in its territory and it, the, it was right by her babies or something. And so finally, after like a couple, literally like a couple miles, like whatever it was, finally like flees. And he's recording the whole thing just because I think he thought he was going to die and just wow. at least wanted to have some record as to what happened, you know? And uh, so he posted on, and this thing's terrifying. But, you know, like, my point is that like, that's when you wow. that's when you that's fleeing that's that's the appropriate you know kind of response but yes. like our brain doesn't know the difference between what trump said or what biden said or or whatever or coronavirus or any of this other stuff of course it, it has the same kind of visceral response um or what so-and-so said on facebook or on instagram or whatever all this other stuff or mm. you know so what happens is that it's there's really a slow burn and this is why when we talk about asceticism like there's a slow burn that we that we don't even realize like how heightened we actually are mm. and how how um uh how fearful we can fall into we can we can become and it's just it's really subtle but then it kind of permeates and so then it starts coming into like don't talk about politics or don't talk about anything with anybody don't don't rock the boat don't you know and so then so then you're making all these decisions based on trying to preserve peace and preserve your opinion and preserve your thoughts and preserve your and so then what do you do you just start going into little silos and you start walling off and then you lose the capacity to even engage because you're so afraid that what you're going to say is otherwise going to offend or it's going to offend you and 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 so then you fall into these traps of like not knowing how to have resilience or uh, some assertiveness um, or uh, or some means of being able to combat you know uh, whatever difficulty that that is that is present. Wow, that's that's a that's a, a profound riff uh, on on what what I said said, and I want to add one thing that came to me as you as you said that so. The silos, of course, we've talked about this a lot, mm-hmm. right? The, uh, I mean, this is our, our society has become these in, well 
insulated echo chambers that people find themselves in. And of course, social media seems in many ways designed to form those mm -hmm. and to kind of develop those. Um, but 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 it comes out of a larger kind of approach um, that is anxiety based and fear based um, and defensive in its posture primarily, not engaging but defensive and protective. Um, and I, I was thinking, I mentioned this to you before the show, and if I'll, I'll mention this example from the summer, is, is yeah, okay if I jump in there? Be great. Yeah, um, <clears throat> this is again that, that same line of thought about about uh, kind of exiting that that safe zone. Uh, so one of the things in my life history that provokes anxiety, and this developed in my adulthood, um, are physically risky situations. Now, somebody might say, well. Physically risky situations probably provokes anxiety in most people. It does. Yeah. But what it does in me is it provokes not just anxiety in that general sense, but a panic attack, mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, the, the, the crippling of crippling panic attacks, which are, are, if anyone's ever had those, I don't need to say much about that. But Not fun. Not fun. Physiological, psychological, emotional um, kind of soup of these awful things together. So- and and over the years, I've I've learned how to avoid situations that provoke those, or once I see it coming on, anticipate them and and, and kind of head them off at the pass. Um, but this summer, uh, after my daughter, youngest daughter, graduated from high school, um, my daughter, my wife and I give to our kids as a gift for graduation from high school either a certain amount of money we offer them or a trip that either mom or dad will take them on anywhere in the United States. That's their, mm -hmm. that's their, and all of them chose money except for <laughs> Kath, our last one. <laughs> Who chose Always the, the last, gotta do something different. I get you number four. Yeah. I'm the fourth. That's I know, right. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. You know what it's like. I was the last as well. I was the sixth. So I, yes, I, I'm like, I'm not doing that. That yeah, was yeah, a waste. Dude, you spent that money and it's, it's gone. Exactly. I want a memory. <laughs> So anyway, so I yeah, so so she wanted to go out into the southwest United States. So we and, and then in the end she wanted her sister to come because she <laughs> didn't want to be you know, I'm sure no, I shouldn't say she wanted to be alone with me, but it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah, dad yeah, and yeah, daughters. Yeah, yeah. With, with right. dad and, and two daughters. Right. So she, so so both of our daughters my daughters came. So we went out and we took it was a three thousand mile <clears throat> road trip. <That's> awesome. <clears throat> it was amazing. Yeah. And part of it was <clears throat> we went to uh Colorado where a friend was there doing whitewater uh rafting, um is a whitewater rafting guide and invited us to come to try out the River rapids mm -hmm. there, uh, mm -hmm. and go down on a. On a it was uh, ended up being a, um, a three hour tour. It sounds like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> 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 the weather did not start getting rough though. It was the, no tiny ship. <laughs> it was just a piece of rubber. But anyway, so going to this. So my daughter, when I when when she heard about that he was up there, she's like, I would love. I've, it's like a bucket list. I've always wanted to go. You know, whitewater yeah. rafting. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So anyway, <laughs> glad your sister came. You guys have you guys fun. Enjoy. I'll be at the hotel. Yeah, exactly. Mimosas. <laughs> Not thinking about the fact that you're on the raft. Anyway, so uh, so uh, long story short, I, I made the decision. I, I said to myself, um, I, I am not going to let my fear of this yes. keep me from doing this with my daughter. Good for you. And and I, but but I was realistic. I knew that it was going to provoke an right. anxiety attack. So, and you can't let your teenage daughters out. You know, man, no, you there. They're not yeah. gonna. No, they're not gonna beat me and do something I can't do. <laughs> I can do that too. So anyway, so I did. So yeah. I so I went mm. and and as with you with the COVID months and months of buildup, mm. and then you get it. 
uh, months months of anticipating yes. this yes. was the worst possible thing. If I had been, if the idea had been presented to me an hour before we did it, right. I would have been fine. Right. But I had months to prepare myself. So, wow. and you do your best, right? With anxiety, you do your best mm-hmm. not to think about it. But that's it. Just doesn't work that way. So anyway, so there it was. We got there. And we were, you know, we got the morning, and I won't go through the whole thing in detail. Otherwise, we'll be on here forever. Got into the river uh, boat. You know, they had the, of course, they had the the little thing they prepare you ha- beforehand. Mm-hmm. They give you all the things that could happen, all the worst things that could happen, decapitation, things like that, you know, <laughs> the things that make everyone feel. Yeah, yeah I was going to say things that certainly <laughs> ease ease one's fear about said decision to, to be on this. <laughs> That's right. Very few yeah, yeah. people get decapitated. Yeah, but and, it happens. Uh, but yeah. heart attacks when they fall in the water, yeah. but very few. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> but enjoy the ride. So, so we went down and, um, so I won't go through the whole thing, but we're going down and I'm starting to feel it. It's starting to happen. Mm-hmm. And I have my techniques. I have my kind of relaxing tech, relaxation techniques, my breathing techniques, my, my imagination techniques going to a place in my mind, just kind of good, peaceful place. And Jesus prayer. I prayed the Jesus prayer regularly mm-hmm. kind of, and it was working fine. Um, and then we came to a particular point where we stop and we do this little interesting thing where we climb up the side of mm-hmm. this cliff and we dive into the mm-hmm. river. So mm-hmm. Tom being not very intelligent and his anxious state suppressing his frontal lobe functioning <laughs> decides to do that. Wow. <laughs> so I do that. Wow. So my daughters do it and then I do it. And then when I jump into the water, it's, it's, it's a good, good way down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I get into the water and the water is freezing cold and my breathing freezes up as yeah. happens when you get in the water. Yeah. And I come out and I kind of get my breath and et cetera. Well, this, this is like, this is now like, that was the, that was the gasoline poured on the fire, that right? Was that was it. Yeah. It was a full fledged panic attack, et cetera. So, but I'm a master after decades of this, I'm a master at, at facade. So wow. I, I was able to keep it outside. I'm going down, um, and we get to the point where we stop for lunch and then we get out and I, but I, I'm at a point now where I just can't, I can't hide it anymore. Mm. And so uh, the guide who's there, I just tell him, I said, I just got to verbalize this and told him and explained it to him. And he said, okay, you, anything I can do for you? I said, oh, I don't think so right now. I'm just going to have to, you know, do what I know I need to do. And I went for a little walk. And so I went over to my daughters and this is an amazing moment. So mm. I went over to my daughters and I said, when I was trying to act normal and one of them said, dad, are you okay? And I was mm. like, oh, I'm fine. Mm. And the other one said, Dad, you know what? You don't have to be okay. Wow. It's okay to not be okay, Dad. And something about that, her saying that to me, was the most extraordinary. Uh, all of a sudden, well, first of all, it shocked me. But secondly, there was something about the letting down of the facade of not having to pretend like mm. everything's okay, to hold perfect control, et cetera. Mm. Uh, that allowed me, and I went off. I said, "Okay, I'll, I'll be right back. I'm just gonna, you know, I have to do something." So I went off, and I, I just cried. Wow. And and although the remnants of the of anxiety attack remained a bit for the rest of the trip, that that it released it. Wow. And 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 I and whereas I don't think that you know there there's no silver bullet magic formula like oh if you do that then everything works so just you know try to do something like that it. It was the moment. It was the moment. It was the relationship. It was the history. It was the having the child say to the father, you don't have to be perfect for me. You mm-hmm. don't have to be in control all the time. You mm-hmm. can be a human being in front of me, dad. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that allowed me to let go, to surrender that, to be to be able to be okay with the fact that this is who I am right now. There's something about that 
that insight that came to me from that statement from her um, that that's stuck with me since then that's been profoundly in me um and, and it translated into my own spiritual life into my own prayer life mm-hmm. with the lord which mm-hmm. is which is precisely that you don't have to be something you're not in front of me mm-hmm. um i i i love you mm-hmm. you mess you mm-hmm. <laughs> you broken man you you mm-hmm. you strong man you you Whatever moment you're in at the time, that that's the man I'm with, and I want you to be with me as that man. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, that that was profound, and, and it helped me to again think out of this model of fear governing mm. me, not dealing with reality mm-hmm. and trying to bend reality to something else, um, and, and learning how to how to you know kind of change that pattern in my life, which is which has been I, which has been immensely fruitful since then. Wow. So thanks for letting me share that. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. This is Dr. Mara just taking a quick break from my conversation with Dr. Tom Neal. Just to invite you to check us out at faithandmarriage.org. 2021 is going to be a great year for us. We have a number of amazing initiatives that we are starting. And so please ask you to pray for us as we... Uh, begin the process of, of putting these things out. Um, dating series hopefully will launch soon in the next couple months. Uh, may turn this podcast into video podcasting. Who knows? We have some awesome equipment that we've been able to receive with gratitude to the Women's Giving Circle uh, from the Catholic Foundation of last year. We won a grant from them. It's just a, a lot of awesome opportunities. So so stick with us. Follow us on, on the socials at uh, Dr. Mario Sacasa or at faithandmarriage.org. Keep up with what's happening throughout this year, and we look forward to staying in touch with you guys. All right. Thank you so much. Our, our fears, if, we're, if we pay attention to them, our fears reveal something about our values. That which we fear losing is a value. It's mm. something that we hold dear to. And so we we create these systems mm. to protect the things that we are afraid of losing, mm. ergo things that we are afraid that 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 will provoke our fear, that will provoke our anxiety. And so some of these values are are more legitimate, you know, fear of my life or fear of my finances or or fear of my kids or but sometimes they're value sets that we have that we've fabricated. And I don't say fabricated is too strong of a word, we've created because of responses to environments that that we've raised and grown up in. And we've had to create certain systems upon which that we have these self-protective measures. And inevitably, like the Lord in his mercy, will then provoke that from time to time, you know? Uh, <laughs> because he wants to call us to be the full man who knows that he can be loved um, despite whatever mess um, is present. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm really struck by the sense that like, it's good that you are in control. It's good that, that you maintain that it's good. All those things are, are, are goods. And, and they're even now there's appropriate times for them, but That's it right. doesn't have to be a blanket, you know, all the time. Like there's freedom that is given in love and in relationship and in family that allows for that 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 softness to to emerge because in those when your daughter said that to you in that moment there was nothing you had to protect anymore like she no, she saw it that's you know? it and that's it and and you can let it go and and it's okay that's it no that's so well that's beautifully art thank you for saying it 
reflecting it back to me that way. And, and what when you said that, what I realized again, back to my wife's, yes. my comment to her, yes. is that, um, in, in, by the way, it's entirely appropriate that, that I conceal my anxiety yes. at times yes. when it's not appropriate for me That's to right. reveal it to people. So That's I, right. I, I want to affirm that. I 100%. I'm not, I'm not calling for a total, you know, a total kind appropriate of vulnerability oh, is, is the, is, is the buzzword. That's Thank the buzzword. Perfect. Appropriate, appropriate vulnerability, vulnerability in appropriate times. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> yes. But, but what was operating in part as to why I wouldn't allow them to see any of it mm-hmm. um, is because I was afraid they couldn't handle it. Yeah. That if they saw me like this, they couldn't handle that. Yeah. To wow. see their dad, a broken, weak man, wow. um, beset by anxiety and somehow that would do damage to them or something. Um, and not trust that that they're capable of handling reality. Well, we've raised them to be capable of handling reality. We want them to be capable. We want to show them reality. We don't want to hide them and protect them from reality, which is the worst thing you can do to children. That's right. Is to protect them from reality all the time. Um, so I have to check myself because I'm anxiety-based. I have to check myself that way. Um, it ex- expresses itself, I know, in different ways in different people as to how they translate their anxiety into behavior patterns. But for me, that's what it is. Okay, so in the Gospels, Jesus, and you alluded to this earlier, Jesus has repeatedly, be not afraid, be not afraid, be not afraid. And even over your shoulder, audience can't see this, but I have this picture of, of picture. Uh, I've had it since Notre Dame. Um, it oh, is a, a copy of, a Rem, of Rembrandt's uh, depiction of Jesus uh, on the boat in the storm and the disciples kind of huddling around him in the dark waking him up, asking him to calm the storm. So it's in the very act of, of Jesus being awoken and, and trying to start calm the storm. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a copy of a Rembrandt. Um, funny story how I got that painting. I'll, I'll share it some other time, but, 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 but nevertheless, the, the, the points there that that's a reminder, you know, that Jesus, and even in the old Testament, you see God, anytime he manifests, he always says, be not afraid, be not afraid. And, and I always was like, always struck by it. The, the gospel reading for our uh, wedding is Matthew 6, um, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, when he talks about when Jesus is calling on dependence of God and look to the lilies of the field. And mm-hmm. uh, Solomon, not even Solomon in all his splendor, uh, was clothed as beautiful as these. And so uh, sufficient for a day is its own evil. Do not worry, you know, basically is what Christ is saying. And and I've always interpreted all these as kind of like these these mandates, you know, it's like, it's like these commandments, you know, like of all the things like, yeah, okay, you know, lust, I get it, you know, anger, okay, all the, but like, man, above everything else, Christ, like, repeat, I mean, I don't even know, I need a scripture scholar to tell me how many times does Jesus say, be not afraid? Sure. He's got to say more than anything else, sure. in, in my estimation. I could be wrong, but, but it seems like that's the case. Mm-hmm. But in light of what we're talking about right now, it's not a commandment. No, <laughs> it's not a commandment. It's not a commandment. No. You know, it's not a mandate. It's not, it's no. not a dictum. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a judgment. It's, no. it's, uh, uh, it's an invitation. It's, it is, it is an invitation. It's an invitation to trust and it's a proclamation of God's providential care for all things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that in the final analysis, nothing escapes the oversight uh, the loving oversight of divine, mysterious, but loving oversight of divine providence over all things. So Paul can say in Romans chapter eight, he can say all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, so there's a sense in which, uh, unlike the ancient world where where even the gods were subject to fate, 
fate, which was capricious, uh, which was which which had no final pattern to it. Um, Judaism, like a flash of lightning in the dark, brings this entirely radically new way of seeing things where everything without exception is under the providential care um, of God, um, a redemptive providence that that permits evil, but even in the permission of evil, always is drawing good from that evil in all things, which gives hope, right? Which grounds hope because we believe that regardless of what the present circumstances are, that in entrusting ourselves to this ultimate kind of sense of destiny in God's providence, that um, in the final analysis, all will be well. There's something remarkable about that knowledge that there's a harbor awaiting us at the end that we are assured awaits us, um, that's guaranteed by something beyond us um, that has an absolute character to it. So I think it is, it's, it's, a, it's an invitation to trust and it's a pledge, it's a promise, it's a proclamation of providence and its triumph over all things, which is, of course, what the passion story is about, right? Jesus's massive anxiety attack in the Garden mm. of Gethsemane in the face of uh, the cross is followed by his surrender to the Father. Uh, Let it be done, not my will, but your will be done. Um, and then he's able to enter into the necessary serenity where he can face the trial and the passion, etc., uh, as the high priest who surrenders himself to the Father. Um, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. In 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 beautifully said, you know, in recognition that uh, hope obviously awaits us. And and honestly, I mean, like the the capricious or the random answer, uh, and that's the assessment that's offered even now in in our current world. You know, in terms of science and in the secularist perspective, that we're just random events, and you and I are just random cosmic dust that uh, just happen to form together because of gravity and other forces that have uh, pulled on us to create this moment in time and it's all random and 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 i listen like i sympathize with it we have friends of ours here recently who who lost their infant child mm-hmm. of six weeks um put the kid to sleep mm-hmm. and that was it mm-hmm. you know and it's hard to look at those things and say well how does god allow that or how does a providential father you know allow for that to happen i mean the 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 random answer is not a it's 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 a logical one mm-hmm. you know right. that it, it's one that at least you say well look it just kind of happens and mm-hmm. and and so i i sympathize with anybody who who errs on that um side of of of, of things but that's the that's the challenge of our faith is that it says that even circumstances like that God would never does not will for this child to die. God did not will for this evil to happen, but that God has the capacity to make good things emerge even for something as horrific mm-hmm. as this. Mm-hmm. And that's the gift and that's the promise. Mm-hmm. So even as we talk about the cross and, and Jesus having a panic attack, you know, before uh, the, 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 the right there in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before his, his passion, um, it's good for us to be reminded that we're not speaking about things that are uh, moral. Having anxiety or dealing with fear—it's not a moral judgment. It's not a—it's—and this is why, again, I—I I, I said what I said earlier. It's not a violation of the commandments because there is—it isn't a commandment that God isn't given. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's an invitation. It's a proclamation. Mm-hmm. It's an—it's a desire for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so to 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 say that you struggle with fear or depression or anxiety or or any of these negative kind of emotions is not an indication that you lack faith or 
or that you're a bad Christian or that you're doing something wrong. It just it just is an alert to something deeper. And I want to make that very clear mm, also. That's profound. No, that's that's really excellent, uh, Mario. And and if you think about the model of how people in sacred scripture face the ambiguities and darkness and challenges and threats and tragedies of life, all you have to do is look at the Psalms mm-hmm. and see the radical honesty, mm-hmm. the oh, struggles, awesome. the gut-wrenching struggles people have. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not not all of them resolve. You know, Psalm 88 ends with my only companion is darkness, as opposed to Psalm 23, which has this kind of sense of serenity and trust that God will provide in the presence of the enemies. It's all of those are together. They're present. There's a whole a panoply, you might say, a whole array of ways that we struggle through into uh, fearlessness. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's it, and it's not immoral. It's not a failure. It's it's part of the process. And and I, I think. You know, Jesus's Garden of the Gethsemane scene is, it, there's a, a professor who came to speak at the seminary once, Dr. Dennis Turner from Yale, and he spoke on the Garden of Gethsemane um, in St. Thomas Aquinas's treatise um, on prayer. And what, what Aquinas marvels at and Turner marveled at, and then I marveled at, was he said, think about what happens in the garden. This is Jesus who, throughout the Gospels, three times predicts the Passion, um, who, when Peter uh, rebukes him and says, no, Lord, this is not going to happen. Jesus calls him Satan. Um, this is Jesus who just hours before the Garden of Gethsemane was in the upper room and consented to the passion by saying, this is my body, which will be given up for you. Mm-hmm. And then there he is in the garden trying to bargain his way through it. Wow. With the father. Wow. He's saying, look, it's awesome. I know this is coming, but is there another plan? That's awesome. Is it possible wow. you can give me something else? Jesus is praying for the very thing he seemed to go at others uh, who who rejected it also as weak. But he wants to show us that that is precisely the way, the path through which we have to go to face reality honestly and confront fear in the face by speaking it out loud, Mm. by struggling with it before the face of God, by screaming out to him, yelling at him, whatever it is. Because people have a sense that Christians just kind of bow their heads and put their hands together in prayer and say, whatever you want, Lord, it's perfect. It's mm. wonderful. It's your will. Everything's Mm-mm. perfect in your will. That's just not real. Mm-mm. And if they think that's w- what it's supposed to be, then that ang- adds layers of stress and anxiety on them far beyond right. what it would have been had they been able to face honestly what their fears were. Yeah. Jeez. I'm- you know, I've thought about what you just said in terms of like Elijah and in mm-hmm. right after the prophets and Jezebel, you know, he does this that's oh, awesome story. If people don't know it, look it's it up. Awesome. It's, it's a great one. You know, he challenges the prophets of of Baal and he basically just incinerates all of them, you know. Yeah. And so then the queen of Israel, who's a pagan, is pissed. She is. And so she wants to kill him, you know. She does. So that's she right. so she sends for him, you know, and so he gets wind of this and flees and is terrified and just had this it's like the opposite. Like he just had this amazing experience of God's very physical power, power right. and presence and in and magnanimity, you know, and omnipotence. Like everything. It's like present right there. And what's he doing? He's in the desert terrified, you know, like <laughs> Praying for death. Praying for death. Praying for That's death. It. Praying for death. Just get me out of here because at least I can die peacefully rather than being, you know, tortured to death by by whatever she wants to do to me. And so That's it's it. it's it and then and then of course we get the the angel and feeding him in the cakes and then, and then he goes Mahara. to the cave and then That's he goes right. and, and, and waits beautifully, you know, for for God to come and God comes in the still song voice. Yeah. All a beautiful story. Yeah. But it's connection. I never made that connection to what you just did with with the garden. That's 
to think Jesus, who was without sin, because we can look at Elijah and be like, well, you know, he was still a man and he sinned. And right. so, so even his fear was really out of kind of like his, his sinfulness. Right. But then Christ didn't. Christ is with, with, without sin. And so to have that same process, you know, manifest is beautiful. So mm. one other thing that I want to talk about as we're kind of kind of moving along with this interview is looking at then the spiritual life and in, in our own experience here. And so sure. trying to make connections of our own journey of faith. Um, you did mention, and I thank you for bringing that up, that in addition to the, to what I've been reading with regards to to uh, positive psychology and Barbara Fredrickson's work on, on the emotions, um, I was also reading um, uh, Teresa of Avila, the Interior Castle, as well as St. Francis de Sales, um, and uh, in Introduction to the Devout Life, and some other books on the spiritual life. And what struck me particularly about Teresa is how astute she was with, like, she has very clear lines in terms of, like, what's her domain of what she has to do, and then what's God just impressing on her. That's right. And sometimes we, we misconstrue the mystics as if they, like, they had this, like, capacity to create these mystical experiences. And so there's some formula that's hidden within these books that if you follow that formula, you're going to get the same type of ecstasies and experiences. That's not at all what she's all. writing in, in, in the least bit. So the interior castles, as uh, I didn't finish it, and, and I didn't finish it because at some point I didn't understand what she was saying, is, is, <laughs> is, 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 which is appropriate. This is appropriate, <laughs> is, is a journey of, this, of, of these spiritual experiences. Yeah. And so the first four, basically, it's it, there's a give and take. And what she articulates very beautifully is the tilling, the escasis, the work that we have to do to calm our minds, to put ourselves in, 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 um, in, in, in it sounds very Eastern, but it's not, but it, mm. it's, but it's beautiful when you think of it this way. This is, this Buddhism, Buddhism is wrong in its metaphysics. It's mm. not entirely wrong in its practices. I'm just going to say of that course. on, on, oh, on sure. air. It's wrong yes. in, in, in Nirvana, in reincarnation. I don't mean, think Buddhism believes that. My apologies to the Buddhists, but in terms of nothingness, but it's not wrong in terms of in terms of the the amount of of control in the appropriate sense uh, agency. I'll use a better word, a positive word, the sense that we do have over our emotional life. Mm -hmm. And what Teresa I think is articulating is a recognition that we do have some say about anxiety, mm -hmm. about fears, about what these thoughts are that are that are are leading us astray. And if we do the work as you and I have been talking about to actually pay attention, to be curious, to meet those thoughts with with compassion, with empathy, not with judgment, but with openness, and then do the work of discernment and saying, okay, God, is this are these thoughts, are these fears, are these values ones that you genuinely want me to be holding on to? Or is it is am I in an opportunity where I can let these go? Mm. And as we then learn to let these things go, it's what gives room for grace to come in. It's what gives room. And it's not that it's not a magic trick. It, it like God, there's only so, there's only so much that we can do, but God then imposes on us to whatever degree He feels that He's He wants to do that. Mm -hmm. But we can still do our part and should and have again not in a moral sense, but in a relational sense, have an obligation. I use that word again not to stir up anybody's uh, scruples, but we have um, a responsibility. Let me use a better word here. Sure, you know to attend to. The thoughts that we have in in being able to then work through whatever fears and anxieties that we have so that we can be more docile to the Lord and can be more open and attentive to whatever gift that he wants to give to us. And if the and if the um the premise is that the gifts are going to be good, if the premise is that opportunity will present itself, good opportunity will present itself, well then 
then all I'm thinking about right now is is how uh, uh, it sounds so silly, but in The Incredibles, where Edna says to Helen, you know, luck favors the prepared, darling. You know, like there's there's a there's a recognition <laughs> that like when we put ourselves in a state <laughs> of, 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 of 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 goodness, then we will be more open to good things actually yes. happening, to more opportunities presenting themselves. And so then yeah, this excellent. positivity does in fact build on itself. And this is what the literature shows, the research supports this. Um, if I'm reading correctly, you know, what I'm what I'm seeing in the spiritual life, I, I think it supports this no, these notions as well. It, unquestionably it does. Um, I just wrote something recently um, uh, about in the desert fathers these are the um the saints who went out into the desert beginning in the third and fourth centuries like saint anthony of the desert and so mm -hmm. forth yep. who developed a really masterful evagrius pontius evagrius pontius really a, di a yeah, brilliant psychology yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, psychology right. and a spiritual mm -hmm. psychology um and, and and they put immense f focus on what they call the the, the guarding of the thoughts mm -hmm. right or watchfulness over the thoughts mm -hmm. the, watch the word in greek is uh, nipsis for watchfulness mm -hmm. over thoughts. And they, they call them the niptic fathers, <laughs> the watchful fathers who know how to watch over thoughts because they know that thoughts provoke passions, which provoke uh, actions um, and so forth. So you stop it back at the root of the thoughts and making sure you guard what thoughts can take command. You know, thoughts present themselves of their own um, uh, motion, of their own, you know, force and power. but. But you can you can choose what you do with them at that point, whether mm. you give them um, attention and nurturing and, and development or you let them go. And and, and a lot of the Desert Fathers would comment on Philippians chapter four, verse yes. eight, I think it is, right? Whatever yes. is true, whatever yes. is good, whatever is That's noble, it. whatever is lovely, et cetera. Think of these things. Philippians four, yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. Mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is, is very much the, the, their, their, their focus. And, and I was... As I was reading uh, some some of the um, sayings of the Desert Fathers a little while ago on on this question here, one of them treats the question the, 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 this question of kind of the the guarding of thoughts and the keeping of the mind focused on the light and not the darkness, mm -hmm. being careful not to go down that way. Don't ever dialogue with the devil; you'll always lose. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that, that's a kind that's of right. a mantra of the fathers. Right. Um, is the story of Peter in the boat and Jesus coming towards him, walking on the water. And they're terrified, but then Peter says, you know, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you mm -hmm. on the water. And Jesus says, you know, come. And then Peter gets out and walks. And, and where, where it is, so Peter is, as long as he's looking at Jesus, he's giving his focus, his eyes on Jesus, his thoughts um, are watchful. He's being watchful and making sure he's focusing on the Lord, um, on what's true and good and beautiful and noble and mm -hmm. lovely and all that. Um, he is able to continue to do this fearlessly. But as soon as he looks around him and takes note of the wind and the sea, being a good fisherman, uh, all, all of this data around him, which is counterintuitive now against what the Lord has promised him, now that promise seems fragile and the wind seems strong, stronger than the promise. So he succumbs to the fear that comes with the wind and he gives up and he starts to sink. And then Jesus says, oh, you a little faith. Little faith, and not not just little faith, like you didn't trust enough, but faith also involves keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, keeping your eyes fixed on what is true, good, beautiful, noble, hopeful, um, that that's oriented towards um, the better thing. Um, whereas fear takes you to the lesser thing, the darker thing, um, the dead ends, the cul-de-sacs, etc. And mm -hmm. when you stay in those, they'll take you 
into that place. So anyway, so uh, I think the, 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 the practice of custody, and this is why silence, by the way, is so important. Having silence in your life, a place where you can be aware of what's going on inside of you, attentive to what's going on inside of you. If you're always taking information in and screens and noise and all that, there's no interior awareness of what's going on inside of you. You're afraid mm. of it. You distract it. You push it away. You numb it, whatever it is. But if you don't allow yourself in silence to be, be present yeah. and then to bring those things to the Lord and let, let your thoughts become captive to Christ, as Paul says, then you're, go you're going to be overtaken by fear and anxiety. At least that's for me, that's what it is. Absolutely. Is. I mean, mm, thank gum, Tom. Give me good stuff. <laughs> Well, sweet this, Jesus. This only comes out when we talk, by the way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, in this way, it does. I mean, the fluidity, this kind of fluid conversation. And it happens usually in, in coffee shops yeah, yeah, yeah. or, you know, over beer. Yes, yes. Where we don't have a, a, we have a microphone. Well, here, no, now we're recording. We always say that. We right? always say it. Yeah, oh, why did we, 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 we could have given that one. AVR, Batman, AVR. That's it's right. Lego Batman fans. Right. There but then I have to edit my words too much. That way, no fun then. But we got it this time. We recorded it. You know, uh, uh, okay, so the Desert Fathers, uh, uh, Guardian of Thoughts. Yes. I, I love it because um, as a, as somebody who has an undergraduate in psychology and has studied counseling theory, the, the counseling theory books always get it wrong because they always think that the study of the interior life began with Sigmund Freud. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't start it in did 1870, whatever it was. No, no it didn't. Come no. on. Like, give humanity some credit. Like, <laughs> I know. You know, it's just that in the secular sense is when it began. Okay. You know, then that's that's, so they always want to start it in, where, where, where it was the scientific method. The right, scientific yeah. method, yeah, yeah right. because the id, ego, and superego was all scientific, but that's besides <laughs> the point. <laughs> yes. Oedipus Ed, 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 <laughs> complex was, was entirely scrutinized by, uh, by no double, mythology double, in double, that one. double, double bind. Study, you know, to uh, <laughs> random trials of giving Victorian kids women <laughs> who are pent up. Yes. <laughs> Actually, yes. those studies were done, but that's besides they the were point. Indeed. So, yes, uh, yes, young, God bless them. I know. Anyways, Awful. we anyway, digress. We yes. digress, but we bring it back. So, uh, the the point about like recognizing again, looking at these these statements um, is really hope. You know, hope hope rests, and I've said this before in the show, and I'm going to say it a thousand times. Mm. Hope rests in our capacities to engage. It's not just this willy-nilly kind of thing that's out there. When we have agency, when we have a sense that I can do something, we have hope. And so we are always people of hope. This is the message because mm -hmm. we are always people who are capable of being loved and being in relationship with God, God Almighty. So despite whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we have to have faith, as you said, like like Peter does on the water. And it's not just like a um, a belief system, but it's a faith that that says that like it may be singular in my lens. Let me let me look. And so even if we experience the fear like Jesus experienced the fear, but the place where Jesus didn't fall or didn't sin is that he never lost sight That's right. of the ultimate prize. That's right. And so even though he bargained with God and, and prayed and asked for those things to 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 take place, yes. he never lost sight. Never. No. He never sank in the water That's if we're right. going to pull these analogies together. And going back to what mm. Paul is calling for is that is a recognition that we can choose, we can focus on the lovely things. And the more that we focus on the lovely things, and this is bringing it all back to what the research shows in the, in the present day, the more that we focus on the lovely things, 
the more that the lovely things present themselves. Mm. Wow. Because the lovely yeah. things are always there. Wow. They're always there. Yeah. You know? Always there. And we just have to have eyes to see, wow. ears to hear, wow. you know? Hearts that are open to receive whatever it is. You know, this is an aside, and I hope this makes sense. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Yes. My boy's been watching all these National Geographic things because Disney Plus, this is what's on. And so they, they watch this thing about Hawaii and this octopus or whatever. Octopus, the eye of an octopus can like see colors that are beyond like a human capacity to see. There's like bazillion colors. I don't know how much it is, you know, that like I, like the, like an octopus eye can see that a human eye doesn't have the capacity to see. What strikes me about that is that those colors are there. Like they're there right now. <laughs> That's astounding. And they're, they're already there, they're there waiting to those be Those wavelengths in those lights are wow. already there, ready to be perceived. We just don't have the wow. capacity to receive them. Wow. They're there. They're there right now. They're there. They're there. That's extraordinary. <laughs> That's extraordinary. And so it's similar with wow, us that, like, that, like that we have the capacity yeah. to to be present yeah. to that which is already there. Yeah. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. Well, let me, let me heaven say- Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Yeah. That's what we say in mass. It is. Wow. And only, the, and only those who have transcended fear mm-hmm. can see. Uh, the, la- the last thing I'll say, this is yeah. the last thing I'll say, the last insight I'll say that Please. kind of wraps, this wrap, be great. We'll wrap this whole thing up. Yeah, this wraps it, it up back good. to this is yeah, terrific. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it takes me back to where I began with my conversation with my wife on that discipline issue with a child once. And I said, you know, the difference between us is that you operate out of trust and I operate out of fear primarily. And I, I think of the image of Egypt, you know, Egypt in scripture, Egypt is not just the, the, the place of captivity for mm-hmm. the Israelites. For that period of time, they were there as slaves, but but also it becomes the symbol mm-hmm. um, of mm-hmm. of the life of sin or the life that's dominated by fear, or as Hebrews says, by fear of death. We were slaves all our life long through fear of death, and and death can be lots of things, not just physical death, but all the death around us, the the loss of things that we want to cling to and hold on to. But but what are the images that uh, Exodus uses to describe Egypt? Uh, in, in the Hebrew is, uh, and Bishop Ricard brought this out once, I remember in our bishop in Tallahassee, Pensacola, years ago, it, 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 they call Egypt that narrow place, that narrow place, which is different from the promised land, which is wide and spacious, mm. it's immense. Mm. But but Egypt is the place that's narrow. So when I operate out of fear, my the options available to me or my field of vision is very narrow, is very constricted because that's one of the things that fear does. It, mm-hmm. it focuses you like a laser on something. Yep. And, and if it, that works, if there's actually something you need to do that for in, in, the, in the short term, but there's a long-term strategy for living, it's death. It's awful. It's awful. Mm-hmm. And it destroys your capacity to, to, to live a life of flourishing um, and, and to seek... Um, as you said, to, to seek the lovely and then discover that it's already been there waiting for you, uh, but only when you opened yourself up sufficiently, but first pass through the river and pass through the desert and pass through all of that first is the process toward which you move there, where you let go of everything progressively, all of the things that bind you in fear. But I also thought of this, and this is the last thing, Mario, mm-hmm. and it's back to my daughter in that conversation with the three of us, my two daughters and myself. 
is that this is why God also puts us in a church, in a community of the faithful whom he commands to love each other so that we create this extraordinary mm. ecosystem, this environment of, of grace in nature where trust and love, um, all those things that are necessary for you to shed fear mm. um, can be present. Yes, It's not just that we individually get these miraculous mystical graces from God to free me from fear on my own, but that he does it by creating a community in which we can discover a place to be not afraid um, which is you know, the Last Supper, he says to his disciples, he'll love one another. This is my commandment to you. Uh, this is it. Uh, this whole thing will not work if you don't do that. And so when I look, for example, at the church now in the United States and in, in, in the state it's in right now, you know, divided along partisan lines and so forth, I think we we have set ourselves up to to not be the community that is capable of producing a people who are fearless because we have succumbed to the very thing that is necessary for that to happen in our community, which is to be a community of love and unity where we love each other, seek each other's good out, confront difficulties and differences in ways that involve trust and love and goodwill and not hostility. And I think until we're able to regain the nature of the church as a communion of love and truth and, and, and what God is, is created it for, that, that fear will be the church's fruit for the world, which mm. is exactly what God does not want. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. 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 Well, we're going to stop right there because we could start talking about we could the state indeed. of the church. We could indeed. <laughs> and that would be a, and that's another, uh, that will be another hour conversation. Another hour. So, so, we'll, so we'll, we'll seal say, it there. We'll save that but for another time. Maybe we'll end time. that as a, as a prayer, Amen. like John yes. 17 Amen. prayer, that they may Amen. be one Amen. as we are one father. But the Amen. Lord will, will make that more the case, especially our listeners, that they'll be, they'll be facilitators of that. They'll be instruments of that uh, wherever they are in, in the church they're part of. Thank you for this conversation. It's Amen. been a privilege. Thank you. Well, dear listener, bless you wherever you are. I pray that this has encouraged you in, in some capacity. And uh, and just know, honestly, know that we're praying for you. We're with you. We're on this journey together, all of us, just trying to make sense of sin and suffering and mess that God puts us in. But, but we have to be beacons of hope, and we have to lead the way. Um, and we have to transcend politics and recognize that... Um, it is our faith that will save us. It is Jesus, Jesus alone, who will save us. Amen. Amen. Amen.